Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way toward clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Tori Helm, LMSW, has graced us with her presence. Tori Helm is a registered licensed master social worker in the state of Alabama. Tori completed clinical supervision earlier this year and is looking forward to taking her clinical exam in January. Tori's educational background includes receiving her BSW at the University of Montevallo and her MSW at the University of of Alabama at Birmingham. Tori has more than three years of experience working with adolescents and adults in clinical environments, including community mental health, psychiatric hospitalization, substance use treatment, and correctional settings. Recently, Tori just made a major change in her career and is on her first travel social work contract in Ohio on an acute psychiatric unit for adult and geriatric populations. Tori loves meeting new people and is excited about this part of her social work journey to expand her knowledge in new settings across the United States. Welcome, Tori. I am super excited to have you on the show today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. One of the things, Tori, that I have loved about this part of my social work journey is reading the bios of some amazing social workers, and yours is no exception. What stood out to me in your bio is your exuberance for the profession and your excitement about your journey. There's a famous line in hip hop that asks, when did you first fall in love with hip hop? I love asking social workers, when did you first fall in love with social work? Oh, man. Um, so funny story for me, um, kind of fun fact about me is my first major at the University of Montevallo first year. Um, was actually mathematics. <laughs> I wanted to be a math teacher. So once I kind of got into those teaching classes and started experiencing, um, you know, in classroom experiences, um, I realized, no, <laughs> this is not for me. Um, not to speak negatively on educators or the system in general, um, just, you know, stating my own truth. Um, it just wasn't personally for me. I felt like I had to fit into a certain mold or a certain box and I was just like dying to like just burst open. Um, and that is when I had the first conversation with a peer about social work and I went home, got on my computer, started reading. Um, and I was like, wow, there are so many opportunities to, um, be a part of some type of change here or be a part of something positive, serve others. And, I always knew that I wanted to be a part of something that is a part of helping others and landing into social work. I mean, just completely changed my life. Um, and I hope that I've changed others on the way. Um, and I know they've helped change me. So, um, you know, just finding myself in social work, that's where my passion started and it hasn't stopped. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I absolutely love that. You know, I changed my major five times and just happened to find. <laughs> you know, I was just... supposed to graduate in three and a half years um, as a teacher. And then I made the tough decision of staying a year longer. 
Um, really glad I did. <laughs> Very glad I did. I'm glad you did too. That sounds so similar to, I was five semester hours, which was just one semester, you mm -hmm. know, back, back in the day <laughs> from graduating with a degree. I can't remember what it was even in. And I had an advisor, Dr. Ann Marcus, I'll never forget, pull me out of a classroom and say, I think you're going to make an amazing social worker. And I did the exact same thing. I had to stay an additional year or actually I transferred to Auburn and had to, uh, stay do an additional year of work in order to complete that degree and aren't we so glad we did I'm so glad I did <laughs> I met you so I can't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that I got to meet you too Tori I love that so while you're here I want to know about your social work journey like what how did I, we kind of got a little bit about how it got started what has that looked like for you and where do you want to go oh um I mean, my social work journey, that's where it started, obviously. Um, once I was at Montevallo, I graduated from there. Um, I was able to intern with the Department of Human Resources in Alabama, um, actually in the county that I grew up in, which is small. Um, so that was interesting within itself. I ended up working there um, as a child abuse and neglect investigator, and that was my first, my first job, right? Um, another, you know, kind of step in the road, I met amazing colleagues there um, that I still talk with to this day. And that was, I don't know, six years ago, probably. Um, and, but it just, I was like, ah, not quite right yet. Um, so I actually took almost a year off and went back to um, restaurant and bartending. And, you know, I'm sure like my coworkers at the time when I was leaving DHR, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not sure, but it feels right. And at that point, I was able to focus on what are my next steps. And that was graduate school because I really wanted to um, dive into mental health. Um, ever since then, things have been, you know, going. And I met um, one of my favorites, Daphne Kendrick. I met her in my internship um, during graduate school. And, you know, that led me to many opportunities and learning experiences and also led me to your supervision, um, which led me to Ohio and my first travel social work contract. Um, I mean, my journey's been, once I started figuring out where to land my feet, I just started going uphill and I haven't stopped yet. And it's been beautiful and amazing to say the least. I love it. It's, I love listening to everyone's social journey. <laughs> I'm going to start backwards, like start with Ohio and work our way back, right? Do you mind me sharing how we were in supervision and I talked to you and I looked at, at you and said, Tori, if you don't take the opportunity now. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to for travel. you to Yes, please. I, Yes. And so Tori was working and you were out of prison. Was yeah. were you out of prison? And I looked, she didn't know what her next steps were going to be. She just knew she was about to finish supervision. And I said, Tori, you don't have any kids. You're not um, married yet. I think you were in a relationship, but you weren't married yet. And I said, if I were you, I would take this opportunity and do social work travel. We have several social work travelers in our supervision group. They're making six figures and more. They're working all over the United States. And it just felt like you were about to let this amazing opportunity pass you by. And I'm curious, 
about why, you know, why did you just like, the next thing I know, you're in Ohio. <laughs> what, what, what caused you to go ahead and just take that leap? I think that's why supervision is so vital and important because um, you helped me glue pieces together. I had the pieces. I knew what my passions were. I just wasn't putting them together to take the next step. Um, and, you know, you kind of guiding me through that set me on fire. When you said, you know, tell me, you know, what are your passions and what do you want to do, do even outside of social work? And I think I said something along the lines of, you know, I love traveling. Um, I've been out of the U.S. a couple of times um, and I haven't seen much of the United States. And my grandparents have been to all 50 states. They've been to multiple states twice. They just drive. And I've always found that passion through them to do the same. Um, and when you put those together and you, you were like, travel social work. And I was like, wait a minute. So as soon as we got off that call, I spent the next couple of hours kind of the same. It's kind of funny. It's same back to when I found social work. When someone told me about social work, I immediately looked it up. And the next thing I know, I've been on my computer for four hours reading about something that I'm like, holy mess, I want to do this. And you glued that for me in supervision. And as soon as I got off the phone with you guys, I looked it up and I was like, I'm in. And I made the decision and now I'm here. <laughs> so it's kind of crazy how that works out, but I have to speak positively and really put that emphasis on, you know, you in general and helping us you know, guide us through our career, but also gluing together those pieces and supervision to, you know, take us to the next level, take us to the next step um, and what we're passionate about. So I have to give you some credit there, <laughs> but that's how I ended up here. I got on my computer, made some phone calls. I had three recruiters within a week, um, looking for contracts for me. And here I am. Before I keep going back, do you mind, I, you know, cause you're going to come back and talk to the goddesses who are in currently in supervision about your travel experience. Let's talk to the audience, you know, give, give, you know, let's start, yeah. give them a little tidbit about what, how you get into travel social work and what that's been like for you. So the first step for me um, was researching it um, and making sure it was for me. I watched um, countless YouTube videos. Um, there are a couple of travel social workers out there across the U.S. that actually blog on YouTube and, you know, um, have written um, a lot of, you know, articles about travel social work. And that's where I started. Um, and I was like, OK, yeah. I'm doing this. And then I just went for it. <laughs> no. And then I just looked it up, got on Google and said, travel social work jobs. It can get a little confusing and overwhelming at first. Cause you've got I healthcare, you've got Vivian. Um, Vivian was confusing for me cause you know, it was kind of more of a platform for multiple companies um, and their contracts. And then you know, your inbox is just ginormous and you've got all these people messaging you. You don't know who to talk to. At what point did I realize what recruiters I wanted to work with at the time? I'm not sure. I think there was like a connection there um, and genuineness that I was attracted to. And I was like, okay, like these are the people I want, you know, putting this out for me. Um, and once I got connected with great recruiters that stayed in contact with me was with me every step of the way um was always there when I had questions and actively looked for contracts for me 
once contracts were found, I was still just like scared. I was like, I don't know what's next. You know, that's the beauty in this. I don't know what's next. I'm still sitting in a seat of, I don't know what's next. So it's my first one. And I had two interviews because um, my recruiter, you know, put all my information in, sent me off and submitted me for some jobs. Um, they will be with you every step of the way when it comes to putting all that information together. Um, and they're very clear about that from my experience. And um, once I got put in for jobs and I had interviews, I had an interview for Boston, Massachusetts, and for where I am right now in Ohio. Um, the next day, they were scheduled on the same day. The next day, I had two contracts. And I'm just sitting and looking at two contracts like, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? And that's when I leaned on my support. Um, I talked to my parents, um, spoke to my friends, and they were like, it's your first one. And like, you know you're not much of a city girl sometimes. <laughs> you probably want to start a little slower. I was like, you know what? That sounds good to me. And I compared cost of living, um, how much I would be making on each contract. And here made more sense. Um, so that's how I ended up here. Um, it's amazing and scary at the same time. There's a lot of uncertainty involved. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty involved. Um, for example, we just lost a vital person on the unit that I'm currently on in order for us to continue accepting patients. So I've actually had a day off today. Um, that was scary because I didn't know what that looked like when I got called off. But and part of my contract was um, getting paid for today. So I can't complain. Um, number one tip, I would say so far in my experience, when you have a contract written, Make sure you ask your recruiter, is there a cancellation policy within this contract? If they need to call me off, how much can they call me off? How much will I still get paid? If I'll get paid? And, you know, what type of control do I have over that? My recruiter did that for me. Um, and I had a paid day off today because, you know, they're working on filling that position before we can start accepting patients again. So, yeah, that's a little bit about that. <laughs> That was so great and so organized. I love it. I, You know, you've been there. I, I don't want to guess and you don't have to say, but it feels like enough, long enough that you should be coming on up to your next contract. And I heard you so, say you had three. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I had um, two offers before I became, came to Ohio. Um, I chose Ohio versus Boston. So at that point, you know, the hospital in Boston started, you know, looking for someone else or offering to someone else. I got here mid-October um, and I should be here till mid-January. So we are almost at that point, probably within the next two weeks where we're going to start looking um, at new contracts. And that's just based off of no experience of mine because I haven't gotten that far yet. But if I had to guess, I would say probably two or three weeks out before leaving. Um, uh, maybe more, maybe less. I'm not sure how that works quite yet. Um, we'll be looking and interviewing for other contracts or extending here if it's offered. A yeah. lot of uncertainty and moving parts, but honestly, I kind of love that part <laughs> too. You know what? Isn't that what social work is about, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so, we don't know the clients and what they're dealing with and you know all of that. There's always uncertainty in social work. But my question, Tori, was, you had three recruiters. Apparently you stuck with one. 
are you sticking with that same recruiter? Or are you still keeping your options open? Keep your options open. Um, I communicate that with my recruiters. Um, I guess I'm not three timing them. They know about each other, <laughs> um, you know, and I just communicate that with them. Um, for example, my two contracts I was offered was one was with one recruiter and one was with the other. Um, so communicate well with your recruiters, give them the respect that they're giving you. And that's going to go so far in the long run from my experience so far. Um, you know, I, once we lost this person in our unit, I already reached out to my recruiters and said, Hey, heads up. There's a little bit of uncertainty going on here right now. I don't have clear answers as of yet. Um, hopefully I'll stay here the entire time, but in the event they don't find someone soon enough, I may be looking sooner than expected. Um, I let them know that, but also my recruiters know about each other. So it's kind of weird. Um, some companies pay more for the same contract. I don't know how that works. I couldn't tell you. Still figuring out the logistics of that. Um, some companies have contracts in different places that others don't have. So keeping my options open um, was something I learned from watching countless YouTube videos about this. Um, so, yeah, I think that's awesome. really important. You know what I was thinking? I know this is supervision, <laughs> but what I was thinking is if for whatever reason there is a lull in between, since I know you're taking your clinical in mm -hmm. January, this might just be, you know, perfect timing for you to take a little extra study time if you need it. I do want to speak to that. You are an LMSW and I know a few years back, folks saw you had to be LC in order to do, to do the travel social work, but all of my travels travelers are LMSWs. Do yep. you want to do you want to speak to that, that myth a little bit? Absolutely. Um, actually, I can take it a little further back. I am not licensed in the state of Ohio as an LMSW. I'm actually on an MSW contract. Um, so I was in a limbo of about to take my exam. I don't want to pay to get my LMSW in other states. So, you know, if something comes along where I can just use my MSW, let me know stuff came along two contracts actually um that I didn't have to get my state in that or my license in that particular state to have this contract um so I can even rewind it back to that I'm currently a recreational therapist and it um kind of dipping into some expressive therapy on the unit I'm currently on um jumping into LMSW obviously with your license comes some more pay um so I'm looking forward to kind of jumping from MSW contracts to LCSW contracts here coming soon when I passed my exam in January. Um, so yeah, that myth is like totally busted. I'm here on an MSW contract in the state of Ohio at a hospital doing recreational therapy. If you have the experience, um, you know, I think your resume is very vital when it comes to traveling. Um, it's not, it's not something I would necessarily um, suggest right out of grad school, but your experience and that's really the most important part. Your license, you know, you may or may not need it. You'll have more opportunity with higher license, but there are contracts without a license at all. 
I absolutely love that you shared that with everybody. I, I didn't realize you were on an MSW contract. But what I just also heard was one of the things that I love to try to teach people is the value of our degree and mm-hmm. the value of our license. And you just showed how much value there there is with the MSW and how much value there is with the LMSW. So I love that. I'm going to veer off just a little bit because I wanted to kind of take your journey. I want to go backwards with your journey a little bit. Yeah, sure. You talked about working with DHR and for those in other states, DHR is Department of Human Resources. I know in some states it's DPACs because, you know, we work with some some folks out of other states, but DHR is Department of Human Resources. And my hat always, I tip my hat, my imaginary hat, always <laughs> to folks who have worked at Department of Human Resources because I think it takes a special kind of person to do that work and they don't get enough credit. Again, part of doing this podcast is to shift the narrative and change the narrative about some of these positions and jobs. And the fact that you said you did your internship and then you stayed and the fact that you are still friends with some of the folks that you work with says that that was an intense community. <laughs> yeah. Um, even trauma bonded a little, right? <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so remind, speak if I'm wrong. Um, are you asking about my experience at DHR? In kind of- I guess I just want to, you know, shift the narrative a little bit, right? You okay. work there. I mean, we we all know how hard it is. We, I mean, yes. even as licensed social workers, we <laughs> so, we even say how hard it is to to work with DHR. But you worked within the community, and it sounds like you you had a great I experience. Think where my experience um, was a little different. I'm from a small county in the state of Alabama. Um, from my experience, smaller counties, smaller county DHR offices. Um, run a little bit smoother granted I mean that's just kind of the face value of it is smaller community you know less pe- less workers more communication um, so that was my kind of my first part and then secondly I grew up in the county I knew it front and back sideways I knew how to get where I needed to go I knew what's road to take I knew areas I could needed to go in safely by myself and maybe some time where I had to call in some backup um, to ensure my safety. Um, so kind of going in already knowing the geographical area um, definitely made a difference. But I have to speak on Miss Billy Robinson. Um, she was my supervisor at um, the DHR I was employed at. I mean, her passion to help others will light your soul on fire. Um, she was the first person I came across in our profession outside of, you know, professors in school where I just like sat back and just watched how much she cared for others and how to advocate for others. I have to speak on her too, because she was part of that journey. Um, I don't know anyone else's DHR journey, <laughs> but my coworkers and her and how we worked so well together throughout Christmas and the holidays and working with families and my internship. That's where I took that turn of, okay, like I'm going to stay here for a little bit longer and see this through to see if this is for me or not. You know, if this is not the place for me, you guys are. (laughs) So I've got to see this through. Um, I do think 
you know, there's some work to be done in regards to the logistics of the agency. Um, but the people that care, they're there. We've just got to, we got to support them and support their passion for this. Um, actually, Billy, Miss Billy Robinson is still employed with the Department of Human Resources. She's at the state office now. Um, I still think back on, think back to her sometimes in some situations I'm confronted with even this far into my career so far after going to grad school, after being in different settings, um, I still carry her spark with me or try to on days I don't have it. I think of hers. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess that's kind of my experience. I love that so much. Thank you, Miss Billy Robinson, wherever I know you it. are. <laughs> yes, I love that so, so much. So we we talked about where you are now with Travel Social Work. We've even talked about where you came from mm -hmm. with DHR and that experience. I love that you said Travel Social Work. I feel like each one of your experiences led you to where you are now, yep. helping you to be successful. I'll where do you... Mm-hmm. Where do you want, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to go, Tori? Man, um, where I kind of see myself, probably kind of, it's hard to say because I keep making that decision, but then I keep leaning on the stepping stones that are getting placed in front of me and the people that I've met that keep, keep carrying with me and that have carried me with them that it's hard to say. But I would like my own practice someday where I start putting everything I've learned and all the people that I've met into myself and then taking that and turning it and being someone else's stepping stone in their career. Um, kind of where the seat you're in. <laughs> I want to be you, Renita. <laughs> so, um, you know, I kind of see myself having my own practice, um, my own thing being able to, you know, have that out outreach to the community, helping others, um, but also turning that back and turning the wheel and being a stepping stone for, you know, other young professionals and social work and helping them towards their journey as well. Um, that's where I see myself, but I have to bring it back as well. Cause one thing I was also very interested in in graduate school was research and statistics so I kind of see myself in the future possibly publishing some research. Um, it sounds scary, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so I see myself maybe going back to that at some point, revisiting it and maybe having some publications in the future. Oh, Tori, our, our NASW Code of Ethics say that that's what we need to be doing, right? Sometimes we get so stuck <laughs> on our social work responsible to our clients, you know, NASW standard number one, we forget there's so many other standards that state that we need to be doing research. We need to be doing these publications. And in fact, in fact, that is how you do help social workers coming yep. forward, right? Is by doing that research and saying, this is what my experience has been. This is the stories of the clients that I've been working with, whether it's qualitative and or quantitative. That mm -hmm. is how we help the social workers who are coming after us. Tori, I totally see you doing that. I'm excited. <laughs> you just said, yes. quali you said qualitative and I was like, yep, that's my favorite one. Yes. Um, too, but 
you know, our profession is so, can be emotional, very abstract. It's hard to place numbers on that. Um, so definitely leaning towards doing that in the future and being a part of a different type of change. I want to help other social workers grow on a level like this, but also, you know, for example, when I said earlier, you know, some agencies, there needs to be some revisiting of how, how we're going about things, how we're providing care, um, how we're supporting our social workers in those environments um, that could start with research. It does start with research. It does. It It does start with research. And, you know, one of my favorite social workers is Brene Brown and all of her books Mm -hmm. are qualitative research. I mean, you know, I used to show her her TED Talks in our research classes and she does qualitative research. And one of the lessons that I learned on my social work journey is that we cannot have micro practice without macro practice. Right. And so the fact that you want to lean into doing the research and doing the publications, I am going to do everything I can to support that journey for you. Thank you. I heard you say, and <laughs> I'm going to have to prepare you guys. Stop saying me. <laughs> uh, but I also heard your DHR supervisor. But is there another favorite mentor or um, social work professor that really impacted your journey? Yeah, so I've I've mentioned three of them so far. That's Billy Robinson, Daphne Kendrick, and you, obviously. And all those kind of like built on top of each other. Um, so I would definitely have to touch on Daphne Kendrick at this point. Um, she's been there every step of the way for me, starting um, at my graduate internship. Um, I did my internship with her. And um, she connected me to you and, you know, you connect me to travel, you know, see how all the blocks are blocking (laughs) the roads, the roads mapping. Um, She, I learned so much from her on a clinical level, um, you know, ethically um, legal side of things. Um, You know, she helped me develop strong clinical knowledge and understanding of the legal side, ethical standpoint of social work. And of course, you know, not to mention she, everywhere she went, she was like, are you coming with me? You know, um, she started at, you know, a hospital in Birmingham. Have you passed your exam? You did. All right, come on, you know, let's go. And I went over there with her and I spent two years there. Um, and I learned so much clinical knowledge from her. She's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met and having her in your corner, unbeatable. I mean, I can call her with a scenario. I've got a, I've got an answer immediately, not only clinically, but ethically and legally. She hits all three of those marks that makes it make sense. It makes the care make sense for yourself and the client um, and keeping everyone safe. So I definitely have to give that shout out to her as well. So glad Daphne introduced us. <laughs> putting putting you three together and what yeah. I've learned from each of you has allowed me to find a lot of balance in my career um, and how I lead myself down the path I want to make it to, um, all while taking care of myself. You know, you were a big piece of that part too. So it's like, 
Billy had the spark and Daphne, you know, had the knowledge and all three of you have all three of these things. It's just what stuck with me at that moment in time of my life. And you just had like the self-care portion and like, what do you want to do? What are your passions? Okay, let me glue it together. And then now I'm sitting here doing it. Um, so I cannot complain about the people I've met along the way. Hmm. That's so beautiful. That's, you know, I, I wanted to mention it before, but I'm so glad you brought it back full circle. One of the things I learned from some of my mentors is we got to pay it forward in order to advance the profession. And so I learned that early in my career. It's like, you know, one, take the folks who've been with me, take them with me forward. Plus <laughs> I have, I'm ADD. So I need to be around people like you who ground me, <laughs> right? <laughs> But then it advances the profession, right? So we are if we're staying together and we're pushing each other, because one of the things that I feel like I've learned is that when I encourage you guys to be the best that you can be, then I get to go to the next level and be the best that I can be. And isn't that how we advance the profession? Absolutely. Absolutely. If there, yeah. If there were one or two things in this social work journey that you could take with you moving forward what would those what would those things be oh man um things i would kind of pack up and take with me definitely one of the hardest things for social workers to to unlearn and learn is the best you that you can give others is the best you that you can give to yourself the parts of you that you're giving out to the community giving out to you know, other peers and colleagues to help each other grow. If you're not taking care of yourself and what makes you, you, what makes you spark set on fire, um, you're going to just chisel away to a little old nothing. Um, so the best you that you can give yourself, um, is the best you that you can give others. I'll pack that up and put it in my pocket and take it with me 24 seven. Cause it's one of the hardest things to learn. We're helpers we're we were service we want to be out there servicing others it feels you feel guilty you feel bad about choosing yourself but once you reverse that you know I was able to share the best parts of me and grow closer to what I love the most you know if I'm bending myself over backwards for people in my personal life professional life clients patients I wake up and I don't even know who I am anymore. I can't give the best me in those settings. And once I learned that it's not selfish and I shouldn't feel guilty for choosing myself and boundaries are okay and they're normal and they're appropriate. I mean, my life just took a different turn at that point. Um, I began to be healthier mentally and physically, emotionally, spiritually, and my relationships in my life professionally and personally grew so much. So I would take, I would pack that up. That's packed up and put in my pocket. I'm never letting that one go. <laughs> um, man, uh, I'm not sure if I can think of another one. Maybe, you know, the knowledge I've gained over this experience. Um, I used to be, you know, very reactive, very emotional. I mean, it's even happened recently going to happen it's something that I'm working on and trying to learn how to navigate um social work saved me 
I, I've learned how to step back, evaluate my thoughts, evaluate myself. Who am I? Who do I want to be? How do I change it? And how, how to work on me. And that one's in my pocket 24 seven too. Absolutely. You know, one of the things um, that I talk about a lot is I think imposter syndrome comes when mm -hmm. we are not doing what we're telling our clients to do, doing the work, right? Absolutely. And we got to be doing the work all the time. And so just even not pouring from an empty cup because they, they just, everybody gets the bitter stuff, you know, at the end, at the bottom of the yeah. cup. And then always just doing the work. If you're doing the work, then you can talk to your clients about this works. Yep. I mean, I say, I know it works because I tried it, but we can at least say, I, I know this work and we can have that spark. We can have that passion about, have you thought about doing this? Have you thought about doing that? And we can say those things because we did it ourselves and for Absolutely. ourselves. And mm -hmm. our work can be very dangerous physically, emotionally, you know, legally for ourselves, for our clients. Mm -hmm. Showing up as your best self is really important and showing up for you is important. And like you said, being able to say with your chest, like, I know this works. <laughs> It's important and it comes across genuine and people will listen. Because our clients know when we're not being genuine. <laughs> they know it. They'll call mm -hmm. you out for it too quick. They sure will. <laughs> call, yes, they sure will. I've learned that the hard way or the easy way. I'm glad. I'm glad I've had the experiences that I've had as well. You know, I started with, you know, when did you fall in love with social work and kind of answer this a little bit, but I'm gonna, the last question I think I have for you, Tori, is how do we stay in love with social work? I think this entire episode has almost answered that. It's always taking your best step forward and building that block, you know, just building on top of it along the way. You know, there was little old me that started like, just watching my peers, watching my colleagues, watching my supervisors. And I was like, wow, I want to be her. I want to be her. I want to be her. And I took bits and pieces from each of you guys over time. That's helping mold me into my part, into the part of the career I am. Falling in love and staying in love with social work is finding your niche, but also being open enough to changing it if you need to. My resume is nothing short than moving around from place to place. I've done substance use. I've done, I've worked at a max level five prison. I've worked at a psychiatric unit for adults and adolescents. Um, you know, I've done some community mental health in my internships. I've done DHR. It's nothing short of me to bounce around and learn from all of these aspects. And that's what's helped build me. To be like, okay, this is what I like most. This wasn't for me. I think social work is so beautiful and broad. Taking advantage of all the aspects that is handed out to us and getting that experience. I'm not saying, you know, get a new job every three months. But, um, you know, give yourself some time. I've been at places for years. But understand that social work isn't just that job that you're getting burnt out at. It's not just that job that you're telling yourself, this is not for me, but I can't afford to lose this job. Opportunities are there. 
be a go-getter, find your spark, find people in a community to lean on. If that's not your family and your friends professionally as well, I call it the trifecta. I got all three of them and I try to build all those up because they're all important to me in different ways. Find your passion, stick to that, but always be open to the world of social work because it's huge. There's always work to be done. And if you find the passion of the work that you want to do and you build on top of that, you learn from the people you're around and then you turn around and teach the people behind you. That's the love there. That's the love for social work. That's the love. All love, love. All love. And what you taught us today, Tori, is there's love on the BSW level. There's mm -hmm. love on the MSW level. There's love on the LMSW level. And in January, there's going to be love on the LCSW level. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tori, thank you so, 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 so much for joining the Goddesses of Social Work podcast today. Loved having you on. I learned some a lot of things today as well. And hopefully in the year or so, we'll have you back on and we can say Tori Helm LCSW. Sounds like a plan to me. I can't wait. I learned some things here too. You kind of helped me as always. You always do. You helped me like put the pieces together. And I'm like, wait, this made that into this to that. And I met this person and this person. That's how I'm here. And I'm very, very excited and happy that I'm here to share that. Awesome. Can't wait to hear about your next steps. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.